You're listening to the Acceptably Real Podcast with Joe and Jerry on Anchor.fm, where the weird, the wild, and the unknown are fair play. Enjoy the show. I really like the new theme song. I Sounds like that. great. I know. Amazing. It, it is. It's, um, uh, I, how did you put it? It's very reminiscent of, of, of kind of feels like X-Files kind of feels like, yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Very nice. Anyway. What? Hey, I'm Jerry. You're Joe, right? That's me. <laughs> and, um, what are we talking about today? Well, it's not a very happy subject, Jerry. So Uh-oh. wipe that attitude out of the sound waves. Now, <laughs> I wanted to talk about something that has plagued my mind for a very, very, very long time. Uh, I think the last two episodes we talked about how maybe like you, I was the young kid who would go to the library to pick up books about Bigfoot about werewolves, about Loch Ness Monster, about all those fun things. Well, back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, back in Iowa, I there was like a whole new like commercial district being built by my house. There was a Chili's, a, a Borders bookstore, if you guys remember Borders books. I don't know if that's even around anymore. Maybe. I don't think they are, but I loved Borders. Borders was great. They had Joe Muggs Coffee. They had all, you know, the magazine section. They had, they used to have these headphones, but where I would go, I would, I would beeline for the back left of the store where they would have like the paranormal, like the Fordian, the um, Bigfoot books, all those kinds of books. Even, even in my, you know, early teens, just because it was fascinating, the occult, the, the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I was still pretty young, but I bought a book by a man named Jerome Clark. The book was called Unexplained. Uh, he has several versions of this book out, but that's the one I bought. It was big purple. It was super thick. I probably still have it in a closet somewhere. Um, you know, had... I might actually have that book too. <laughs> do you? That'd be hilarious so. if you do. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. It's okay. So I love that book. And the book pretty much, it was like, chapter by chapter told different stories it had different sections like cryptids you know like um i don't know stuff like different categories of of the different things out there this is where i first was introduced to the green children this is where i was first introduced to a lot of things and this is where i was first introduced to the story of the mad gassers now mad gassers the mad gassers or the i don't know they they have the Anesthetic prowlers um, is another term for them. Okay. And so this story comes sort of close to home, about four hours away from the Quad Cities. You can drive to a little town of Mattoon, Illinois. And the story takes place in Mattoon, Illinois, which is kind of closer to Indiana, uh, a little south of Springfield. It takes place in the 40s. Now, Jerry, do you... You weren't alive then. Uh, neither no. was I. What do no. you recall? Uh, you know what happened in the 40s. We were involved early 40s, I guess. 
Well, World War II took up uh, most of that. Exactly. Yeah, World War II. And, you know, Americans were psychologically, they were like in this World War II all the time, right? Oh, yeah. In yeah. this mode, definitely. So there's a story that happens in my tune, which was particularly startling to me when I was young for different aspects to it. One, that it was real, like this actually happened to people. Yeah. T two, that it was close to home, you know, relatively four hours or whatever, you know. And when you're young like that, you're like, oh, everybody's going to get me. You know, you're so selfish like that. <laughs> um, and three, it just, it just the actual reporting of it, the things people said about it. Huh. And that's kind of that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, tell okay. you the story as it happened, um, and then talk about maybe reasonings for it. So, without further ado, I present the Mad Gasser of Matu. The year nineteen forty four, the date August thirty first, the town Matu, Illinois. Now, Matu, Illinois, was a quiet little town with around. 14, 15,000 people one night, a summer night, like tonight. A young man named Urban Rafe awoke feeling ill and struggled to the bathroom. He threw up. It wasn't drinking. Returning to the bedroom, he had asked his wife if she'd left a gas on. Uh, she didn't, she said. She found uh, she couldn't move. She found that she was paralyzed and... She noticed a sweet odor coming throughout the house. And I don't know, Jerry, if you've, if you've ever had kind of like a gas leak or any, any kind of thing like that in the house or any of the places you've lived. But, you know, um, in the States, we put in a odor to our natural gas, right? That's how we know. In other yep. countries. Yep. In but other countries. Go ahead. Well, it's not sweet, though. They actually use uh, skunk oil in some places. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I only say it's a sweet odor because I had an incident at the last house I lived at in Ohio where I had to have the gas company come out oh. and smell and smell something. So I was like, okay, uh, I was in the basement and, you know, the main you ever typically houses have a main uh, sewer. Yeah. In the bottom of the house. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I noticed a kind of like almost rotten kind of sweet smell. It was super Ew. powerful in the basement and that's where my laundry was. So I was going to do laundry one Saturday morning. Anyway, I called him, came out and he was like, huh, I mean, it kind of smells, kind of smells like it, but I mean, it might just also be the sewer. And he had a little machine that, that did detect anything. Yeah. Um, that's why I say sweet. So yeah, sure. In some parts of the countries it might've been, you said skunk oil. Yeah. It's it's skunk oil, and sometimes they actually put in uh, something that's like the rotten egg smell. It's a sulfur. Yeah. Basically, they make it smell like farts. But, uh, <laughs> but when you said sweet smell, I was thinking uh, chloroform. Exactly. Because, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll back off and let you tell the story. Well, right. So here's the thing. Um this guy, he was woke up feeling really ill. He threw up. He he didn't feel any kind of paralysis, but his wife did. Right? It was, I don't know, a little a little unnerving. They actually had another couple stay with them, um, who are visiting from out of town, and they didn't wake up at all. So that's kind of strange. 
the same night around 11 p.m. I'm, I'm guessing this was I never found a time, but I'm guessing this first one was around like eight, nine um, around 11 p.m. There was another couple who had retired for the night and they just crawled into bed, you know, and then they noticed a sickening sweet odor coming into the bedroom. It became stronger. You know, the wife of the other house, she felt her throat go dry, began to feel some paralysis in her legs and lower body. She was scared. You know, I would be too. Her sister was happened to be visiting and was staying the evening, noticing the odor. She ran to the next door neighbor who called the police. The husband of the lady who was felt the paralysis in her legs was coming yeah. was a, a taxi driver. So he was, you know, making his rounds in town. And like I said, Mattoon's a pretty small town. But he, when he was coming home, he had noticed a a figure who appeared to be tall, dressed in super dark clothing, wearing a tight fitting cap. But he, you know, and the guy, the husband, actually chased him in his car. But the guy, he he got over some or a figure, whatever it was, uh, escaped. He couldn't catch him. It was Slender Man. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> there's a little picture of him in uh, the book I had growing up, and it did look like that kind of slender kind of figure, creepy. Mm. Um, yeah. So when I was young, I always pictured these stories, and there's there's a few more. There's like, man, there's like 13, 14 reports of this in the same town. Uh, maybe more on the same I, night. No, different nights. It it oh, happened. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And so just, I, I just was young and I was always picturing this, this creepy dude, like with the machine with like gas, like spraying into an open window back then, you know, they didn't have air conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They just, they just had to keep their windows open. And of course things were much safer back then. You always hear people say, and so it's kind of scary, you know, and multiple people had reported seeing a dark figure like this, like the, uh, the guy, the husband's name was Bert. Uh, one night, the phantom and and I don't know anesthetist, whatever you call it, the mad gasser, he did it again. You know, um, people noticed it. People noticed the order order, and their legs being paralyzed as they were laid in bed. There was a lady and her husband uh, Carl. I I never found the lady's name. It's like Bola or Bola. It's like a kind of a French name, but her husband's name's Carl. So let's just stick with Carl. Uh, Carl <laughs> and his wife, Cortez, they came home and they noticed a white cloth on the front screen door. They also noticed a really worn skeleton key. Now they picked up the cloth and they could, they sniffed it. And you mentioned chloroform. So this is why I said that. And it had this really kind of strong odor. And it kind of, she felt like the lady felt like it was, she kind of felt like an electric current being zapped through her, just kind of scary. Um, the feeling raced down her body and she started feeling the paralysis. Now, oh wow, these things were actually found. They were sent to uh, the Illinois State Police Laboratory the next morning. Now, when, you, when you're dealing with smells like this and gas, like it's possible that these things can dissipate. Right. Yeah. yeah that's so if true. they're set to, it's set the next morning, you know, they might not find anything. So well, especially back in the forties when they didn't have a sensitive uh, testing equipment. Right. It's kind of scary. I mean, yeah, the police picked some little young, younger teenagers up, you know, being up to no good throughout the neighborhood thinking maybe, maybe it was them. 
but they weren't. And the kit they picked up was actually just lost. Um, now, these happen. These these attacks, we'll call them, happen. You know, nobody was ever injured or hurt or like attacked. So there's you could no there's no long term effect to the gassing then. Right. Yeah. And and so, but people were scared. You know, this was a small, relatively small town. Yeah, maybe fifteen thousand. Relatively small. You know, and people were frightened. There was kind of panic. This is during the time of World War II when, you know, Americans were in Europe. It got so bad to the point where the townspeople were marching in the town. They were, you know, had their little guns back then and they were just terrified of, of this happening. And they did have a couple FBI agents come into town from Springfield, which was Springfield to Mattoon, maybe an hour and two hours away from each other. I uh, could be wrong on that, but that's just my best guess. Maybe shorter. So uh, they weren't really able to find anything. And in fact, this whole thing was deemed to be a a mass hysteria event. Now, I don't buy that, but I also wanted to talk about one more event, which actually predates this by 10 years. This event happens in the village of Bodotot, Bodotot, something like that, in Virginia. It's a county in Virginia where supposedly the same sort of thing happened where basically there are reports of a smell and sightings of a figure running away and senses of paralysis. Now there wasn't really any kind of official, maybe superficial investigation done. And I was trying to take a look at this earlier. There was on either the Mattoon town or the Botetot, I think it's pronounced of Virginia, one of them actually got their their local the police chief to announce that it was a law where you couldn't produce or have any of this this uh, gas or homemade manufactured gas, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, it's, so it's, it is interesting that some sort of reports happened ten years earlier. People don't really know or ever found out if they were connected. Huh. Um, so there are different theories about the mad gasser situation. Uh, a big one is mass hysteria. Now, I don't buy it. There was a high school chemistry teacher out of Mattoon who did a lot of research about it named Scott Maruna. He yeah. actually wrote a self-published book about this. And he had a theory that it was an eccentric recluse who had two sisters by the name of Farley Llewellyn. Um Farley, the story about Farley actually reminds me of Boo Bradley from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay. So he was thought to have been deranged. He lived in a trailer. He was thought to have a grudge against the town and wanted to frighten residents with the gas he concocted, according to Scott Maruna. And at some point, for whatever reason, it was never marked or recorded that I could find um, that Farley Llewellyn was taken into custody and placed in a mental institution for up to 15 years. Now, this kind of is a thing about this situation because the attacks carried on for a little bit longer after Scott was taken or after Farley was taken into custody. That's where the theory that his sisters had helped him in the attacks, in the gas attacks. Now, um, I said that the uh, a white cloth with the odor was found and a skeleton key. Well, next to that, there's also a little empty little tube of lipstick. 
And so that kind of gave Scott the idea that perhaps uh, the sisters were in on it as well. Now, I don't know if that's true. Scott Morano, the high school chemistry teacher, <laughs> certainly has some ideas of who it could have been. <laughs> um, but who knows? You know, it could be someone else. It could be, it could be mass hysteria. Um, but it's something that really intrigued me growing up. But I wanted to give you the chance to comment on something because I've been talking quite a bit. No, it's it's okay. I'm good. I mean, like, I'm not sure if chloroform would produce those effects. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I do know chloroform's fairly easy to make. I mean, you can make it out of household bleach, acetone, and some other stuff. Wow. I actually made it when I was a mad scientist teenager in my my dad's garage laboratory. So I know that's possible. And I know people are can be weird. And I mean, obviously, they're serial killers. So I, I think this is completely uh, even we, we, uh, we, we should talk about mass hysteria because that's interesting, too. But I mean, right. as far as what I've heard so far, uh, I would say it's acceptably real and there's yeah. nothing supernatural about this. It's th- this is a plausible. Someone was messing around with some sort of chemical and going around being a prankster and perhaps, um, uh, would have been a serial killer had he or she been using something a little bit more deadly yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you're in your intro to sociology or psychology course in college or or whenever you took this class, you learned about mass hysteria, I hope. That would have made it interesting if you did. And if you didn't, I apologize. And hopefully you learned something now. Now, it's a phenomenon that transmits collective illusions of threats, whether real or imaginary, through a population and society as a result of rumors or fears. It's happening now. <laughs> yeah that's a great point you know with this COVID-19 stuff what um we talked about it before but hey what a story you know what a what a thing that's happening my um I have a relative who has it and I'm sure everybody at this point knows somebody who has it oh Um, I've known four people now who have passed away from it but um I apologize for that I'm not saying I wasn't saying the COVID is mass hysteria (laughs) No, 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 no. But, uh, but I'm, it's a good some, setting for it. I know. But I mean, some of the reactions to certain things that are happening right now, and we really don't want to get into it because it would be a mess. But right. there, there's a lot of examples of mass hysteria in the media at this very moment. But anyway, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. But but for example, let's let's... Say this at least. Um, in Ukraine, violence had broke out over the fear of the virus from quarantined evacuees from China. Ukraine authorities blamed the violence of a disinformation campaign targeting the country and spreading over social media. You know, social media, the mainstream media, any kind of media you have these days where people can get information like a snap. I you know. know. That just breeds that kind of stuff. Yeah, mass hysteria can spread at the, spread at the speed of uh, light, basically. Right. And I do know that you have some examples. I do as well. Um, are you okay with saying your examples first and then I can go into mine? Well, I bet you we have the same one. The The Salem Witch Trials is one of them. I don't have that. I saw it, but I didn't put it down. Go ahead. Oh, okay. 
Well, the Salem witch trials is a good example of mass hysteria. And um, I, I've got an article in front of me, but I've, I've studied this enough to, to just kind of rattle off some of the things. You had some factions in the small town that were very, um, let's say, uh, they were people were angry at each other for certain social reasons. And, and then you had people acting out and claiming that it was witchcraft or something, and then blaming someone for it. And of course, back then we didn't have the scientific methods we had now, and it was very easily believed and people got scared and then it like snowballed into the point where it was a witch hunt, literally. And more than 20 people were executed and a hundred people were jailed before, before they just kind of calmed down. And there was obviously, well, who knows, but I mean, I'm going to say as a skeptic, there was obviously no actual witchcraft involved. It was probably because, um, some kids were having seizures and it was being blamed on supernatural elements. So that's that was the Salem witch trial hysteria, mass hysteria, which caused 20 deaths. That's terrifying. You know, I mean, they, how many people did they accuse? It's just, I don't know. That's another, that's a whole nother podcast episode, though. That's a, yeah, a that, story that about could, witches we could go into, I'm sure. Yeah. Because there are such things as witches, and there is such thing as certain kind of, of magics, but but they're not really supernatural. So I'll just put it this way. Uh, witches and shamans were actually the first scientists. They were natural scientists. They were experimenting with natural resources and finding new things that they could do with them that had miraculous effects, but it wasn't magic. But anyway, I digress. Mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any more? I've got five of them all together, but I did you want me to go through all mine? Well, so let, let's just take turns. Let me do one, and then yeah, I'll let's have do, you do that. one. Okay, so an example of um, mass hysteria is with the Black Plague. You know, in the 14th century in Europe, there began instances of what the great historian Barbara Tushman called dancing mania. Have you heard about the dancing mania? That was I a, have heard that. That is not one of my examples, but I've got one like it. But go ahead. This is yeah, yeah. I've yes. heard this. So 14th century uh, members of the lower classes, particularly unmarried women first formed heaving circles in the streets or near churches, dancers bounded for hours with leaps and screams. Employing by name demons, they believed to be tormenting them to cease these tortures. So these dance, these people would dance on and on and on. It's just an interesting thing. I don't know, it's just a good, a good recorded example of, of it. Was there, is there any mention about what music they were dancing to? No, I think they were singing or something. Oh, together okay. too well music is powerful yeah but also they may have been eating something that had certain um psychotropic <laughs> uh, effects <laughs> it could be that they discovered a uh, something growing on bread that they didn't know was there that was a natural um hallucinogen or or uh what's the thing that they do they use the raves um 
like ecstasy or whatever. Ecstasy, I, yeah, I it's just some sort of primitive ecstasy because that's what that does. You know, it, this is this wasn't the only outbreak of this dancing mania. There are multiple, multiple, multiple instances throughout the history. Oh. Uh, but that's just that's just the one I found as an as an example. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting. Well, here's one that kind of fits in with that that you may have heard of. It's the Tanzania laughing mm-hmm. epidemic from 1962. Ooh, this sounds fun. Well, okay, so I, I'll actually read this one. It's in late January 1962 at an all-girls school in Tanzania. Uh, three girls began to laugh uncontrollably, which is normal, but they didn't stop even when disciplined by their teachers. Bizarrely, the laughter spread until more than 90 students were laughing for no apparent reason. The laughing fits allegedly lasted anywhere from a few hours to more than 15 days. Oh, Officials tried to find a cause, but were unsuccessful. The epidemic laughter led to the closure of schools as the laughing spread to other villages nearby, and its cause remains to this day unknown. The laughter episodes continued on and off for about a year, too, before they just finally died off. There's a mass hysteria. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know how uh, laughter is contagious. Maybe it was like the perfect storm of laughter. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I. That makes me think about that that Joker movie where he has that kuru or whatever disease, where he can't help but laugh, and it, it's kind of a painful kind of laugh. Oh yeah. And I, I, I just, I don't know what these girls sounded like, but I wonder if it was something like that. I don't know. That's um, scary. That's, I mean, uh, they say laughter is the best medicine, but for 15 days straight, I don't think so. Man, I, I freak out when I have the hiccups more than like four hours. Oh and yeah. Hiccups. If you've ever gone up, if you've ever gone out to drink with me, you know that I'm a horrible hiccuper. Like I, I'm like a freaking looney tune. You it's know? funny. I'm, I don't remember that. Yeah. It happens it probably all the happened. time. Probably happened, but we just shook it off. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's, that is interesting. I, uh, I don't have any like that, but I will say this one, which happened in England in 65. So shortly after yours, except in England, there was an all girls school in Blackburn where several girls complained of dizziness. Some fainted within a, a couple of hours, 85 girls from the school were rushed by ambulance to a nearby hospital after fainting. Symptoms included swooning, moaning, chattering of the teeth, and a hypernia in tetania. I'm not sure what those last two are. As if the Beatles or Elvis Presley came to town. But uh, this kind of thing happened, and there was no evidence of anything in the air or in the food. It was just these girls. Um, granted, it's an all-girls school. I don't believe I read that any teachers had this happen to them, but it's just the students. So that's pretty interesting. Those affected had higher scores of extroversion and neuroticism, for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like it, it was just a normal, ordinary school. I don't know. Well, have you heard of the Halifax Slasher? No, sounds sounds scary. Is this where okay. the lovers met in Lovers Lane and the Slasher was on no, the No, no, this is, this is a hysteria thing. 
1938 in the town of Halifax, England, which is in West Yorkshire. Beginning in November 1938, reports were made to the police regarding a man attacking people, mostly women, with a mallet or knife. The number of alleged attacks grew to a size unmanageable by the local law authorities. Authorities? Authorities? (laughs) You can tell my uh, absinthe is kicking in. And Scotland Yard was actually called in to help the Halifax police. So those police soon became suspicious of what looked like self-inflicted wounds on the victims. It didn't huh. take long for several of those claiming to have been attacked to admit that they had indeed faked their encounters with the phantom perpetrator. Uh, in early December, a local newspaper proclaimed the theory that a half-crazed, wild-eyed man has been wandering around attacking hapless women in dark streets has exploded. However, there never was or never likely to be any real danger to the general public. And the authorities concluded that all of the alleged victims had made up their claims in a bid to garner attention and pity. Well, that's kind of a shame, but. I don't know. I mean, so you take that and you place it in modern day. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like something. And I, I don't know. Say I, it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that is mass hysteria. I'm thinking that there really was someone out there and the girls were coerced into claiming that it was self-inflicted. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. you because know, they probably might have known who it was and didn't want that person who is like too important or something to be blamed for it, whatever. But I mean, you could, you could put that right, that whole template right down on Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And for years and years and years, nobody said anything. And now suddenly it's all coming out. And the funny thing is everybody knew it was happening. It was even public knowledge, but no, that's almost like the opposite of mass hysteria. Yeah. Because they knew this was happening in Hollywood, you know, from that Me Too movie. They knew it. Everybody knew it. It was even in movies that it happened, right? And it took it took some brave individuals to actually start speaking out and then start a movement to make change. And f- I'm glad that happened. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm very sad to see that the some of the people who were in included in the bad behavior were people who I was kind of looking up to and admiring their work and stuff. But, uh, that sucks. Yeah. I hear you. You know, uh, the wifey and I were watching house MD on, uh, Amazon uh-huh. prime. And I, I love that show, but she had never seen it. And, you know, she's in nursing school. So it's, it's good to kind of watch and, and hear her, Guess what all these things are? Uh, it's kind of fun, but it was executive produced by Brian Singer, and yeah. he did you know the X Men movies, and he's like a, yeah. a, a well known like you know praise on young men and whatnot. There's stories about him paying off people and 
and all that stuff. And it's just sad because that was a good show and it's just kind of tainted by this stuff, you know? I know there's a lot of stuff that's been tainted, but you know, it's time to wash and redo, you know, get, get a, make a fresh start, close the door on all that old stuff and do new things. That's what I wish Hollywood would do, but no, they're still stuck in remake land. Although I am looking, and this is completely off topic, but I'm really looking forward to the new Dune movie. That looks awesome. So I think it does too. And I was, I have a group chat with my brother, some of our brothers and uh, one of our friends who we were talking about this and I, I was really enjoying the trailer and I don't know what your thoughts on the David Lynch film from the eighties or whatever. I actually like the David Lynch one. Yeah. So I, okay. The trailer started off good. The new one for me. I didn't, I was kind of thinking it was kind of hokey at that little kiss scene at the beginning. Like I'm all for, I'm all for kissing. I'm all for. Yeah. But that was a dream sequence. Yeah. But I was just kind of like, "Uh, okay. So the first time I saw it it. with Zendaya or whatever her name is. That's what I, yeah. That's exactly what they're, they're pulling in the younger audience because she's super popular, especially from the, the awesome job she did in the super, uh, not super, uh, the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I thought that the main character, um, Timothy Chalamet, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, I thought he was a lot younger than he is, but he's 24, which is, wow. I, I didn't know that. And well, Paul Kyle, Gibb, at oh, but the, the main character in the book is 16 years old. And I know okay. that because I read it when I was 16 years old. Okay. So uh, Kyle McLaughlin, who was in Twin, or, um, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. Yeah. Uh he, he was, played that he played him in the uh eighty or the David Lynch film. Yeah, well, and he, he was, was 20, way too old. Yeah, he was twenty-five though. Yeah. And so only a year older than the current one. But the current the current guy he looks younger, but he's yeah. older. I think it works, you know. I think it looked amazing. I'm really excited for it. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, I just wish that all the stuff, you know, that I, I know, admittedly, I've been to a movie theater since this all stuff has happened, and I felt comfortable, but, man, I just wish it was back in time when, like, you could just go to a movie, and it was just a normal Saturday night. Oh, I know. You have to wear a stupid mask, and you could just go and enjoy a film on a huge screen with multiple other people. Well, you we know? have this thing here that we're really drifting off topic, but um, there's this thing here in, in town where you can rent um, a theater for $99 and have up to 20 guests, you've got the whole oh. theater and you pick the movie and, and yeah, everybody shows up and sits as far away as, as they want from each other, but it's a private movie theater and there's like alcohol available and you could be as loud as you want. And it's, we did it once we went and saw Jurassic park. It was really fun. Oh, and it was not, it awesome. Was, it was like 99 bucks for up to 20 people. And uh, my, my daughter, she, she paid. She didn't even want, she just wanted to do it. And so everybody else who came got in for free, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were serving uh, margaritas. And like, this is awesome. I'll yeah, go. man. <laughs> That's awesome. Especially when all the seats are like Lazy Boy recliners. Yeah. 
that's you know, lay that back was... all the way. I love to lay back all the way and embarrass my wife, but um, <laughs> she doesn't like to lay back all the way. And so, but it's fun, man. That's awesome. Your daughters are awesome, and I'm sure you guys had a blast. We did. We did. My my girlfriend. She um, if if I'm reclining on a, a recliner, it it uh, she just decides. Well, I'm going to lay on you like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll, she'll curl up on me. Oh and, boy! And, yeah, that's fun. Anyway, back to mass hysteria. Um, well, <laughs> so we we you, went from the Halifax slasher, which turned out to be like a Hollywood yeah, but, kind of film, to but, but hold on, hold on, hold on. D- Dune. If you think about certain parts of Dune, have you ever read the book? Uh, I don't know if they really covered it in the movie that was out. But there's some mass hysteria going on in the book mm-hmm. because there's this uh, jihad that that goes on, and you could you could look at a jihad and think that's mass hysteria. You know that is like the purest, most violent form of mass hysteria, where everybody believes this certain thing, and they're all going to go out and kill some people, and and end up with. I don't know if is, is, is this getting into a racist area, but I mean, the popular uh, uh, information that gets to you is they all think they're going to get um, 20 virgins in heaven or something like that. If they're killed <laughs> doing this thing. And th- I, I don't know if that's true or not, but if, if that is true, that is mass hysteria. If a bunch of people are believing that and they're going out and throwing themselves with bombs attached to themselves, well, in, there's a crowds. I think there's definitely a fine line there between, you know, what people believe. Cause then you, you could also say that like the people who are kamikaze pilots in Japan are, you know, had mass hysteria cause they well, thought they you, would bring honor. You know, like that's. Well, I would almost say yes to that, but I'm not a professional psychologist, but anybody's going to convince me to die for some reason like that. Well, yeah. you know, the same thing is not to die, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, unless sure. I'm, unless I'm specifically stepping in front of a bullet to save one of my family, you know, or, or sacrificing myself to save a bunch of people. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is a gray area there, but that to me, that's mass hysteria. Do You've it's, got some more spooky. examples. I have, well, let, let me do one more. Okay. So a more recent one, which happened in 2008, which is the year after I graduated high school. Oh. Um, yeah, there was a high school in, I think, Virginia. Yeah, Vinton, Virginia, uh, where they had an outbreak of twitching, headaches, dizziness, which had affected at least nine girls and one teacher at this high school. I did look more into this because I was more I was more interested since it was a... Um, uh, something that happened more re- more so recently, and I found on Reddit of all places where somebody had commented that they had gone to the high school and that uh, they had graduated class of 08. Um, they said that it's crazy to see it listed on um, the internet like this because most of us all knew it as it was all like just hysteria. It started when my homeroom teacher started having seizures and then suddenly girls all throughout school were having seizures. And that's in quotes. 
and suffered from hand and arm twitches. It was truly bizarre and it lasted weeks, end quote. So, mm. yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, and it just tells you the stuff still can happen. This stuff isn't a thing with the past. I'm going to go off topic for a second because I want to talk okay. about this thing. And I'm sorry, but um, when you read all the stuff that as it happened in history, you think that it's so far away from you. You know, like you think, oh, this can't happen to me. I'm in 2020. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Illinois or I'm in Ohio. I'm in Iowa. This can't happen to me. And, you know, beyond before all this COVID stuff happened, I was sitting in a coffee shop downtown with my wife, Nikki, drinking some cool, fancy coffee uh, from a drip machine. Uh-huh. And I was watching YouTube of the virus in Wuhan, China, and these people barricading up their city. I was thinking to myself, uh, crap. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't ever come here. I can't even imagine it coming here and, and the world being like this. But, uh, you know, it did. You know, I remember exactly this year in uh, late spring when our governor of Ohio announced that we were going to be under lockdown. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what the hell does that mean? And then I remember restaurants can't open. They can only do takeout, uh, public places, you know, limited to a certain number of people. And man, people were freaking out. You know, I think Ohio <laughs> was one of the first states to, to do this too, but people and were all freaking the, out. All the toilet paper disappeared instantly. <laughs> I never got that. I, I, I get people might have had a reason for it, but I'm like, dude, I already have toilet paper. Like I'm stocked. Like yeah. I'm one of those people who go out. I don't want to go to the store and buy toilet paper. I don't want to I be know. judged by the cashier who's 15 or whatever. <laughs> no, I. So I buy a lot at a time, and and I find. And so yeah, we we, we have, buy the we buy the Costco size one, and we already had a Costco size one when all this happened. But and by the time it started to ease up, we still had the Costco sized one. <laughs> yeah. But man, I mean, did you go out and see like people like buying all of those? Like, oh yeah, like everywhere was wiped out. I was like, this is all the canned foods gone. You know, I could I could kind of relate that. Still, I'm still feeling like the urge to hoard it before the the election. uh, Well, that's just in case. (laughs) That's something else, and that you know that might be an onset of of real hysteria like mass hysteria because people are going to freak out no matter what we've talked about this before you know yeah i'm i'm kind of startled by what's going to happen i'm sure you are i know other people are are out there purchasing you know guns for it Um, that i know we we talked about that didn't we last week uh yes we did yeah a little bit yeah so i think you did are you talking about uh your girlfriend? Yeah, Tracy yeah. went out and bought a gun. Uh, her daughter's getting a gun. Uh, my friend in California has already got a gun. We've got guns. I'm like, holy shit, everybody's armed. Now what? Yeah, man. <laughs> Look, if, if nothing happens, then that's best case. That's what we want, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. but. Well, I lived in Texas, right? And mm-hmm. back, in, I lived in Texas in the 90s. And. Texas was already to the point where just because they're Texans, 
everybody owned a gun and yeah. pra- practically everybody actually carried a gun. Like even my, some of my uh, coworkers, uh, cause I was working, uh, tech back then had Derringers in their boots and shit. You know, everybody was always armed and loaded and, and it did. I please, please anti-gun nuts. Don't attack me because I, I don't own a gun personally and I don't really want to, but you would have to be an idiot to pull a gun and try a robbery in Texas because everybody else is also armed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm wondering if the whole country is going to get to that point, you know? And so it's, it's almost like um, mutual dis- assured destruction at a personal level. Yeah. At a domestic level for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Who knows? Maybe maybe that is the answer. Oh my God, attack me now. I know people are gonna hate me for saying that. Nah, but but I, I bring this stuff up because it is kind of a form of hysteria, right? A valid form of hysteria. And it's and it's it can happen to you. You know what I mean? It's kind of that concept <laughs> yeah. where where it's like you need to be aware that this stuff is is real and you're not so far away from it because it's on TV or it's on YouTube somewhere else on the planet, man, this is here. Look outside your window. You are going to see this, you know, this happening. Um, maybe not directly, but man, it was, it was crazy when these riots happened, you know, I'm somewhat, somewhat, uh, near Cleveland. I'm closer to Akron now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching the videos from downtown Cleveland and seeing the places I would go with, with Nikki. Um, and man, that was wild to see. And um, I guess in a way I feel so lucky that I haven't had much of this in my life, right? Like this much craziness, but I'm also unlucky in that I'm not, I'm not attuned to it yet. You know, you didn't grow up in, during the Cold War at all. No, man. Uh, I was lucky. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, I remember every day, especially as a teenager, being completely aware that at any point, at any time, it could be the last minute of my life through no action of mine because all the bombs would go off. And that was just always on everybody's mind. I mean, there was a lot of dark humor about it all the time. And this is like when we were at class and in, uh, in junior high school and we'd write, you know, stories for the English class and we didn't know how to end it. We would just say, and then all the bombs blew up and then we all died. <sighs> the end. Oh my God. And, and <laughs> everybody would do that. And, and it was, it was funny and scary at the same time. And it was scary. It was funny because it was accepted as true. And so right. now, now here we are with these, these other situations where it looks like, you know, the weather is going to kill us if we're, you know, don't change our ways and, and, it, and all that stuff. It, it's scary in a different way, but I'm, I know how to deal with it. And I feel bad for people who didn't grow up with the fears that I had to grow up with because they never had to face that and they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and that's and that causes mass hysteria, and grouping of bubble thought, or groupthink, which is mm-hmm. kind of like mass hysteria junior, and and then people go off 
isolated from reality in this thing that's helping them, uh, you know, exist and, and deal with it, but it's not helping them deal with reality. It's helping them avoid it or putting a blame on something that has really nothing to do with it. Or is there, they're blaming something that is also a symptom, you know? Um, and that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it makes me think and, and yeah, I I wasn't alive, but I, I've watched all this mass media about this stuff about like, for example, the show, the Americans, um, watching that and just, I can only imagine what it was like back then for people, you know, um, I, I think of the song, uh, what's that called? Russians by, by sting. Do you know that song? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, where he's, he's talking about, um, I hope the Russians love their children too. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that and I'm just like, man, what a, what a crazy time that must've been. Yeah, I what I have to sit at home and watch Netflix and order Chinese takeout for weeks on end. <laughs> I have people. To say, this is stranger than those times. We are living so? in much stranger times. Than, oh yeah, because right now it is a. It's not just this. Um, well, it was a rational fear, but it wasn't this existential thing going on that was like a, a low level you know, think this is in our fucking faces. Excuse my French. It's in our faces every day, constantly. And it is real, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and then, and then the, the bubble think or the group think where, where they combine together and say, this isn't real. This is a bunch of bullshit. I'm going to deny reality. Sorry, people out there who think it's not real. It's real. I'm sorry. Um, there, they're, they're going to go off and make it worse. And there's nothing we could do about it. Right. You know? And it's also perfectly natural because <laughs> that's their avoidance mechanism. Cause this is a really big problem to fit in your head. And, and it's freaking up our whole, it's, I might as well say the F word. It's fucking up our whole system of living and change is really scary. And this is a big fucking change, yeah. you know? So yeah, you should be scared and I'm sorry you're scared. And but we're all scared and we're, it's, it's, it's all fucked up. Well, we it definitely, de- it definitely ruins the fabric of society when you have, yeah. people who, it's like, man, everybody just needs to stop fucking arguing. It's like, yeah, listen, if well, something it, like this happens, if there is a flesh-eating disease that ravages through the states, I would want our country to act uh, like it was the end of fucking Earth. I would want our country to be prepared rather than say, oh, oh yeah. it's not that bad. I just get a flu. I'm going to go party with my friends in Malibu. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, I want them to be crazy a little bit. And, yeah. and we can we can have time for the people who want to say oh, it's not that bad when it's over, you know, like and people like especially with the time of Facebook with the neighborhood groups. I'm not sure if you have one where you are. I know my mom does back in Iowa where it's like people set up these like town or city citywide groups or neighborhood. Yeah, groups. there's there's one for Davenport, but for some reason, Rock Island doesn't have one. I don't think we're that tightly knit. <laughs> so yeah it, man and it just feels like it, it brings 
it makes me think anyway, it brings me back in my head to the time of pitchforks and torches. It makes me think like everybody's so close, so close knit together. Oh man, did you see the neighbor Jerry got drunk, beat his wife and robbed a liquor store last night? Whoa, insane. Let's all burn his house down. You know, like, oh Wait, man, did you see in Peoria. what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like people are so yeah. uptight and so against each other, so much groupthink, so much tribalness going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everybody likes to make it political. And I'm like, dude, shut up, man. Like, yeah, what? the election's coming up. But like, I just want everybody to be okay. And well, it's it's fine to have your own opinion. That's That's yeah. absolutely fine. Let's exercise our votes instead of burning things, you know, yeah. <laughs> or shooting your neighbor or killing a cop or, you know, let's exercise your right to vote. That will change things. Right, although, man. Although you, and I'm going to play devil's advocate that I've got, I know a lot of people who just say, I don't, you know, no matter which one gets elected, it's all going to be the same. Yeah. I don't think it's quite, but here's, let, let me define groupthink. I think this is interesting. Uh, groupthink a, is a psychological drive for consensus at any cost that suppresses dissent and appraisal of alternatives in cohesive decision-making groups. It's a bubble. It's a, it's a what do they call it? An echo chamber. Echo chamber, silo, yeah. Yeah. Man. So, just like when you're on that, a certain social media website known as Reddit, you're in an echo chamber. Yeah. You know, it's like. And think about it. It's kind of like gravity, right? So it keeps pulling more into it and then it gets bigger and bigger. And then at some point it gets a event horizon and it turns into a fucking black hole. Yeah. And that's when you have the mass hysteria. How does that help people? How does that help people change their minds? You know, like. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jerry, you, you think the Cubs are the best? Yeah, man, I think they're the best. Hey, Bobby, you think the Cubs are the best baseball team? Yeah, man, yeah, man. yeah they're the best, man. I don't care yeah. if they lose. Well, in all honesty, they are the best. They're, um, they're definitely the best. So I get what you're saying. I, I see it. Um, and I, I, I don't want to get political, but I will say this. Don't vote for a person. You know, think about what that th- what that's gonna do. You know, the next president might elect the next, you know, nominate the next Supreme Court person. Yeah. Um, think about the policies of which you stand for. Look it up online. There's websites out there for policies and what candidate stands by what policy. I found myself agreeing with quite a few of the policies that the person I didn't think I would agree with is for. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be surprised because you, you've listened to the media and let's face it. That's where you get your news. It's the internet. It's TV. It's your phone, but do your own research. You know, hopefully most of you were able to go to school. You were taught to critically think, and do your research. Well, even, even if you haven't, use your gut instinct 
you know, don't, yeah. don't follow. See here, the problem is we've got a cult, a couple cults of personality going on, right? So you're fo- like you said, you're following people instead of, instead of, uh, programs. Right. But you got to think of what you want to happen and how you want things to, to like play out and then find a candidate who is actually saying that that's what they believe in and also has a record of voting in that way instead of them just saying something in order to get votes. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really important to look at someone's record. And so many people, unfortunately, just don't want to deal with it. And this, if you're worried about the future, you need to deal with it because it's really your responsibility as a voter it is your responsibility to, to mold the future of your life and your kid's life into a direction that you want it to go in, no matter which way it is. Um, we're not going to talk about it. the directions. I was just, you, you need to take that responsibility and do this thing. It's yeah. really the most important right now in this time and in, in this place in history, this is the most important thing that you could possibly do. Right. Because what you're going to do now is going to affect things for the next 50 years or longer. And we're, we're at a, we're at a crux in history right now. We're at a crossroads. I mean, is it going to be Mad Max or is it going to be utopia? Choose. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, I had this. And this is all going more off topic. Um, Go for it. it I, 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 will, I, great. I will. I will say I used to sling meat at the meat department at yeah. Hy-Vee, at Hy-Vee and Moline, um, and the one on the avenue, of course, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and I had this guy I worked with who was a really good friend of mine. I'm still friends to this day with this guy. You know, that's where I shop. Most of the time now on the Avenue or are you yeah. talking about Moline? Like the Moline uh, is the, the one in, uh, on, 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 um, uh, John Deere road. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the other one. The other, oh, one. that's sorry. why I say the one on the Avenue of the city oh. is a different one. Okay. Um, right. That is so, a great, that is a great high V though. And high V for those listening is a, is a grocery store from where Jerry and I, resided um and so one of the best grocery stores of all time hands down the end uh but so i used to sling meat work in the meat department and i had a guy i'm still friends with today and he used to say <laughs> who runs barter town and then i think that was <laughs> and, and, and i would go master blaster <laughs> yeah. oh man good times uh so, but, but back to this political stuff here, right? And this is what I'll say because sometimes with all this COVID stuff, with all this political garbage out there, with all this crap that's going on in, in the world, I want to I wanna go back in time, take my wife with me, take the dog with me, go into the corner of the Borders bookstore, pick up a book about Bigfoot, read about different demons and angels, read about paranormal stuff. I pick up the phone and call my buddy Jerry because this is the kind of distraction, you know, you need and distractions, whether it be fascinating, like this acceptably real stuff or 
interesting like Ghosts or Curse of Oak Island or the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. You know, those are important to think about. And in a way, all of this craziness is a blessing because it gives you opportunities to pay attention to the things you are maybe neglecting. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. That's just my theory, my my thoughts. Um, and I know we talked earlier that we do have some Facebook comments that we would like to mention. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we do have uh, – this is, this is on a, a thread of the people who had listened or at least read about the legend of the green children of Woolpit. Um, we have a skeptic who says more magical thinker nonsense for bored, gullible people who prefer escapist fantasy over reality. Well, I'm I'm as a fantasy writer, I am guilty of that. <laughs> so <laughs> that guy's not going to run Barter Town, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, sure. Um, uh, I'm not going to say anything about anybody who's skeptical of this stuff. You should be skeptical. You but, everything, but it is fun. It so I mean we're presenting this not as this is the reality. We're presenting this as this is fun distraction to think about because mysteries are fun, and the world is full of mysterious stuff, even in science. You know, so my response to him was, "Oh no, you're not one of those people who believe that Earth is actually a sphere, do you?" <laughs> I, I got uh, one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, just let him, I let him know I was joking. Um, so, um, someone named Sammy says, uh, "Let me tell you about them." Talking about the green people. When I was twelve, I saw green glowing people about three and a half to four feet tall on the coastal highway coming from San Francisco. That would be Highway One. I'm very familiar with that. I thought I was seeing things, and then I was watching. Uh, Sylvia Brown one day, I guess that's a program. I'm not familiar with it. And a lady in the audience asked her about little green people that she saw. They glow like neon. Then I knew I wasn't crazy. Then in the early two thousands, my son and wife went to Southern California to see his wife's grandpa. When they returned, two of my grandkids said they were going down this long, dark drive out in the country and they saw the same thing. And uh, this person says, I never told anyone about them seeing it as a child, but now they're a believer. Wow. Yeah. Sylvia, Sylvia Brown appeared on like the Montel Williams show on Larry King. Uh-huh. She was like this renowned psychic. Oh, um, okay. And it, yeah, if you look her up, you'd probably recognize her. But she, um, I'm not sure if that was the one who helped out the FBI quite a bit or not. Uh, but yeah, she was definitely one of those personalities on, on TV that you watch. Here's another one from, oh, I'm sorry. Were you done? Go for it. Yep. Sean says they came from one of the interior cavities. There's tons of them. We've had saucers rise from bogs in Siberia a few decades ago, left the reeds all twisted from their vortex of energy that envelopes their craft. <laughs> It's kind of chilling. And also, uh, Jimmy also commented uh, about something about America and other countries not really eating correctly and too much junk food and too much red meat. 
and uh, the food containing less and less nutrients. I'm kind of paraphrasing because he has a really long in-depth comment here. Uh, and and he sums it up saying we really need to eat more healthy plant-based meals because it, uh, it helps repair your genes, uh, promotes um, all sorts of different ways. And so he's He's kind of and, and provided a beautiful picture of a meal, in fact. So maybe that ties into the green skin on those kids. It's possible. Possible. So and I'm not sure exactly how that fits in with, with that, but uh, he does have some points there, definitely. I, yeah, I, th- I think it definitely had to do with the diet of the kids and the disease maybe, which yeah. they might have had. Got a lot of good responses to that. I think a lot of people did enjoy that episode, and yeah, it seems too. Same kind of reaction to this one. Yeah, unless we lose half our listeners because they think we're politically against them, we're not really. Love everyone. We're all for everyone getting along, and if you're not for getting along, then maybe, maybe you can leave. (laughs) Because (laughs) seriously. We want both sides to get together and talk and work things out. That's what, well, at least that's what I want. I'm pretty sure Joe's kind of on board with that. Absolutely. And you know what? If if Jerry and I were out on a Friday afternoon getting sushi or getting Red Lobster, and you guys were at the bar with us and you wanted to pitch in talking about UFOs and, and um, wormholes, man, we'd invite you like nobody's business. I don't care who you're going to vote for. I just care that you want to be a cool and interested person and share the same kind of like curiosities that we have. And we could all together figure out what is acceptably real. Thanks for listening to the Acceptably Real podcast with Joe and Jerry. Eager for more? Visit us at acceptablyreal.com or like us on Facebook at Acceptably Real Podcast. Hey, it's Jerry. I am happy to announce that on August 1st, 2020, my latest novel is out. It's another comedy, fantasy, mystery, love story type novel. This one's set right before the pandemic hit. Well, because that's when I wrote it. And the main character is a down-on-his-luck tech entrepreneur who lost almost everything in a bad deal and a lawsuit and decides to reboot his life by opening up a computer repair shop for secret reasons of his own in a small Oregon seacoast town. There he is seduced by a mysterious young witch and, while on a walk along the ocean one morning, he sees something he knows is impossible. And yet, there it is. This leads him into a secret the town has been keeping since the 70s and throws everything he's ever believed about reality right out the window. The book is called No Such Thing as Mermaids and is available now on Amazon.com and soon at most other major online bookstores, both in print and ebook editions. You could also find links to it on my personal website, jerryjdavis.com. Thanks.